I met this chef at a party and I was overwhelmed by his positivity and exuberant nature. Now I thought that might have been the beers talking, but no. Now I know him better, I can confirm he is the most energetic man I have ever met. He has two of the most important qualities for success. Plenty of energy and an insane work ethic. If you don't do these things, I think these opportunities don't come along. So everything that I've done up until this point has only happened because I put myself in that position to do them. He has worked all over the world, at Michelin star restaurants, on super yachts of famous actors. And then I went and got a job with Jerry Seinfeld and I stayed with him for two years. Sadly for us in London, the sugar daddies of the sea stole Ernesto away from us to work on their super yachts for about 15 years. I definitely didn't fall in love with it. Uh, It was more the money. Look, it's very financially rewarding. You make a lot of money in salt tax free. We discussed the challenges of pop-ups in London and the complex organisation needed to pull one off. Where are you going to get all this stuff? Are you going to fork out the two, three grand that you need for staff, food, all that yourself? Or are you going to get it on credit and then get your receipts and then pay it off? Who's going to help you? Which kitchen are you going to use to prep? You can't prep this stuff at home. You need a commercial kitchen. Where are you going to get a commercial kitchen from? You know, It's just putting all that stuff together and it takes a long time. And on occasion, the calamities that we brave when things go a bit tits up. I'm going to I'm gonna have to break in. He's like, you can't break in. I'm like, I have to. So I call a locksmith. <laughs> I'm Stella, and I'm going to take you out for dinner. I've got terrible sweet tooth for first. <laughs> you do your sound check, I'll do the taste test. <laughs> That one, I think, is that, what's that one? I think that was miso and chocolate. That's what it is. Mm. Mm. So delish. Right, let's try this one. This one, I don't know. Coffee cream. Let's start. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. So, I met you at the Rogues Christmas party. You did. And all I know is that you had an amazing pop-up at the Sea the Sea, and. <laughs> Apart from that, I know that your name is Ernesto and that you have a kind of your pop-up business is called Embers. It is, yeah, yeah. So tell me a bit about how you got into cooking, how you started. How did I start cooking? Ah, it's a long story, I guess. Um, where do you want to start? Right at the beginning, beginning? So, or like further down the line? Like from when I was 13 or 12? Or? So were you, did you ever go to a cooking school? I did, yeah. I did, yeah. I, did. I went to Cordon Bleu in okay. London. Yeah. Um, before that, I actually went to university. Okay. Uh, I studied Spanish and tourism. Okay. Um, so you were going to do something completely I was, different? I was going to do something completely different, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't what I initially wanted to do. Um, so I went to university. I spent a year in Spain. I did everything. But I think I was just... Just the idea of being in a corporate environment. I worked in sales and stuff like that. Mm. You know, I worked in an office. The idea of being in a corporate environment, I just, I just fucking hated. I couldn't stand it. The idea of just watching a clock yeah. tick down just didn't, didn't work for me. And... Um, yeah, I decided to, 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 I mean, while I was at university, I was already working in restaurants and stuff like that, you know, working in kitchens, trying to pay your bills and shit. Mm. And um, after a couple of years of doing this, I just didn't, I just, just realized I could not bear the thought of going into an office again and, and kind of retrained and went to Cordon Bleu and worked in restaurants at the same time. And then, you know, I started, first job I actually got was at Macanda Locatelli, the okay. one Michelin star Italian. 
And yeah, my, my salary there was like 16 grand a year or something like that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh my God. So it was pretty shit, I'm not going to lie. That's not good. Yeah, you could basically, I mean, I think you could, you, I think I just had enough money to get me to the restaurant and back. Yeah. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> and have a bed somewhere. And have a bed somewhere, <laughs> just to barely, you know. And that, that was my first kind of Michelin star job. And, you know, I was really excited about it. I remember I was like, yeah, this is great. I've got Michelin star restaurant. I'm going to get into this place. And, um, yeah, then it started doing the rounds. I worked at the Capital, uh, which had two stars at the time in Basel Street, and did, did a lot of stages around London. And then I went to Royal Hospital Road, Gordon Ramsay's, and I spent about a year there. Uh, and that was when Claire Smith was the head chef. So that was while... Okay. Yeah, Matthew, you, you know Claire Smith, you know Matt, Matthew Ab, and he was uh, sous chef at the time. So, and you know, Johnny Bowen, who's the head chef of Four now, was like Chef Barty then, and... You know, everyone's much much younger team. You know, I worked there for a while, but then I kind of realised that you know, chefs just don't get paid enough, <laughs> as, yeah. as you probably know. And then I went into private yachting. Okay. So then I worked on uh, a lot of private yachts over the last ten years, basically. So you know, it kind of just suited my lifestyle a bit more, a bit nomadic, and I love travelling. And I just, I don't know, I just, well, obviously, I love the money because the money was really good. <laughs> what was it like working on private yachts? What kind of yachts was it? Was it um, like for a specific family, uh, for an occasion? Would you work on it for a month? For were you were you hired by the yacht company or were you hired by the people? Yeah, it's it's a bit of both to be honest. I mean, I started off private, so you have two different kind of jobs on yachts. You have a private yacht where you work just for one family, uh, and then you have the charter yachts where you work for uh, the company and they charter the yachts to several different families okay. but you could also have a combination where you work for the family and they charter the yachts out okay so I used to work with Jerry Seinfeld for a couple of years uh, so that, that was the first private sort of okay no, no actually no that was the second private job I got the first one I worked for uh, was a guy called Gerald Ronson so okay. you know Mark Ronson the musician oh yeah, yeah his uncle oh. is the big guy so you know Sushi Samba there yeah so the the building Sushi Samba was actually called the Heron Tower Okay. And he was the owner of that at the time. Before, I think now it's, I was actually just driving past, and I think now it's actually called the uh, Salesforce Tower. Oh, wow. But before that, it was the Heron Tower, which was okay. owned by him. So that was my first private job. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I kind of went, when, <laughs> when I got into this industry, you have to do like a course. It's called an STC W95. And I literally flew out with about 500 quid in the bank. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I need to just do this fucking shit, do the course, uh, and get a job. And How I had, old like, were you at that point? Oh, I can't remember now. Well, it's about. I think it was about 28 at that point. Okay. 27, 28, and I was just like, yeah, I need to, I need to make some cash. Um, but I had like no money in the bank. I was like, all right, I need to get some money. <laughs> you know, I'm doing all this restaurant stuff. I, I, I basically showed up in Antibes in south of France with about 500 quid in the bank. I'd already paid for my course, which was about grand. I had enough money to, to pay for the hotel, yeah. which I had three, three, four days to do the course, and um, and yeah, and, and basically get get a job in that time and in the second day I got a job and I was like yeah just just pay me God, how did you go about doing that did they have kind of like a list of people no no I just went around the docks just knocking just basically just going to boats wow. you know just go handing out my CV saying look this is what I do here's some menus just give me a job basically and on the second day I got a call which is good oh. but there's also agents as well that you know that, and I think now you can't do that anymore I think a lot of the docks now are locked up so you can't just go basically door knocking but you know most of the chef jobs I got here in London were like that I didn't yeah. go through agencies I just went you know I'd literally go around the side of the kitchen and just see the chef smoking and just say look you know guys you just need a chef where's their chef in those days no one gave a shit they just say yeah. yeah he's in the kitchen I'd go in and just you know 
like Claude Dorsey, for example, at the time he had hibiscus. And I remember just going in and I'd go around the back and you know, just ask the chefs, like, where's the, where's the, where's the owner? And they go, he's inside. Wow. And I just walk in and just say, look, I'm looking for a job in the kitchen. God. So it was, it was like that then. But you, you, you kind of had to put yourself out there. You couldn't yeah. just you know, send your CV and email and hope someone gets back to you, you know? especially when you need a job. So, so yeah, I did that on yachts. I, I, I worked for Gerald Ronson for a year. And then I went and got a job with Jerry Seinfeld and I stayed with him for two years and then after that I just did a few few others you know like charters and privates and worked for a few Russian oligarchs at the time before they invaded Ukraine <laughs> <laughs> let's just get that out of the way and all of that and yeah I did that for did that for quite a while and then last year I decided to come back to, to the UK okay so yeah, yeah. oh wow yeah. so you've only been I've back only been in the UK for, about a year. for a year yeah, yeah. Oh, okay god yeah, yeah, yeah. so you, yeah wow so you really fell in love with private yachting and you really enjoyed it. Did you manage to save up a lot and that's why? That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I think... I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say fell in love. I definitely didn't fall in love with it. Uh, it was more the money. Because it's very... It's, look, it's very financially rewarding. You make a lot of money in salt tax free. So, so, so it's quite good. So, you know, in terms of... I was actually looking to open a restaurant like probably three years ago just before covid and i had a site already ready to go and then luckily enough i don't know i just got cold feet and i just like i just i just just went okay no maybe not the right time and literally a few months later covid hit and i was just like thank fucking god for that yeah that's that's fine don't have to ever worry about that being the wrong decision (laughs) no exactly so that was definitely the right decision inside and that kind of slowed everything down for a couple of years because obviously COVID was going on for two years. I was in Florida at the time working and I was like, okay, this is quite good. I'm just going to see what happens. And then towards the end of last year, or summer last year, I was like, okay, I think I need to come back and, and, and get back to doing what I do in England. Yeah. So obviously I set the com- I actually set this company up two years ago. I was actually doing something else. I was trying to get some sources going into the market. And I came back last year and I was like, you know what? You know, the, the scene in London's changed a lot from what it was like say 15 years ago in restaurants there's a lot less restaurants after covid i think um and i think the dining scene completely changed you know 15 years ago was a lot more really ultra fine dining everyone had a michelin star whereas now it's very similar to rogues you know like my favorite place at the moment is um have you eaten at dorian no i haven't been there yet okay, that's like, to me that's my favorite place at the moment okay. that's like i think that just epitomizes what people want to eat these days it's yeah very very much like Rose. I love Rose. I've been there a lot of times, you know. It's it's, it's good, clean flavours, no bullshit cooking, fuck the fucking swipes and dots and flowers and all that. Mm. Just let's just focus on the flavour and get good food out. And I think that's what people want. Yeah, it must so. have been so interesting having been kind of away doing stuff for so long, not really in the proper chefy world in exactly. London. And then coming back did you say fifteen years later. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> that's such a long time kind of out of the out of the scene. Out of this specific kind of like biosphere of chefs I, I think so I think it is and that and that was what and it's, it's a bit of a challenge because you kind of come back and you're like you know when you're on a yacht you time kind of freezes and there's I, mean, I still know a lot of yacht chefs really really good yacht chefs and I don't I think when you realise how hard it is to actually come back into the sphere of things because everything is everything has changed you know the dining scene's changed but it just depends on how adaptable you are I, I think I'm quite adaptable I think like, it didn't take me very long to figure out that people just don't want you know when I was younger it was all Michelin stars I wanted my own re- restaurant I was head chef here in London as well in a restaurant place called Zoilo and I wanted Michelin star and I was trying to focus on tasting menus yeah. and then you come back and you realise okay there's still people that do that really well but 
I don't think that's what everyone wants. You, yeah. know? you just get the vibe for it, especially, you know, at the time Hackney wasn't where everything was happening. You know, yeah. it was all central London, West End, whereas now everything's kind of moved down to, to, to this side of it, to East, you know, Shoreditch and Hackney and Dalston. So, and I think, me as a person, I think that was more me, more me, like just not being pretentious about food just just trying to do good food without the, without the you know the pressure of trying to make things look like a Smith kind of style of food you know it's all yeah. perfection you know mm. and it takes a lot of pressure off you just just cook something nice and you try stuff out so yeah so when you first came back to the UK what was your did you did you get a job or did you just decide I'm going to kind of no just focus on this focus on focus this focus on this yeah. so how many pop-ups like what, what have you been doing well, we started off, we started, I mean, and, and again, you know, I think this came with how hard it is to actually get started once you've been out of the country. Um, okay, I have, you know, I've set up my limited company, I set up the company, but the reality is that no one really, you know, I actually got advice, you know, from my old, the, the old uh, boss that I used to work for when I was head chef, and I spoke to him, and I was like, look, this is what I want to do, I want to try and open a place, and he was like, look, the challenge you've got is that, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are, no one really knows who you are anymore, because you've been out for the last decade. So... He's trying to re-establish all of that again. He's like, right, you've got to start at the bottom. You've got to start, you know, you're not going to get an exclusive site like the CBC. So, yeah. I, you know, I got a place. Uh, I first had to do a pop-up at Louis Louis in Peckham, which was like a, you know, I can't be unpolite about them. It's a lovely little cafe. <laughs> and, yeah, I kind of went in there. I was like, okay, I need to do a supper club here. Yeah. Just do one supper club. That was mainly just to prove that we can actually pull it off. But you've also got to consider when you're doing something like that, it's not just the cooking. The cooking's the easiest part. It's getting, putting it all together. It's the finding the chefs, getting back with suppliers. You know, you don't want to, you know, pay out all your money. You're not going to shop in Tesco's. You've got to use, I use Recky. I've got a good relationship with Recky. Build relationships with all the suppliers. Where are you going to get all this stuff? You know, are you going to fork out the two, three grand that you need for staff, food, all that yourself, or you're going to get it on credit and then get your receipt and then pay it off. Who's yeah. going to help you? Which kitchen are you going to use to prep? You can't prep this stuff at home. You need a commercial kitchen. Where are you going to get a commercial kitchen from? You know, it's just putting all that stuff together, and it takes a long time to get all that done. So, so we did that one first. It was me and Graham at the time. It's my well business partner is a good friend of mine. We kind of started that together, and he was quite keen on it. Uh, and um, we did that the one night pop up, and then we did a two month residency there but we cut it short because the area was just shit okay. so it was around the Woolworth area and we just decided like, this is, the style of food we're doing just doesn't fit the yeah. area it's a bit the area doesn't work people were coming but and it was good for you know trying to get our Instagram up and like publicity yeah. and all it was it was more for that but two weeks in we were just uh, two a month in sorry we were just like look this is we're not this is a waste of our time yeah uh, so we left we cancelled the contract uh, and then and who is this you're working with <coughs> this was my uh, friend of mine Graham okay. Graham Lewis yeah so Graham Lewis is a good friend of mine so this whole thing actually started I, I think I missed a large chunk of it actually because <laughs> for, for many years for a lot of years Graham or my mates wanted me to cook for them. I'm just stubborn I just said no I'm not cooking for anyone pay me and I'll cook that's basically how it was and then one day I think it was last just before last Christmas, we did had a, like a massive taco night with friends, and I made a whole bunch of tacos. Everyone had a great time. I was like, actually, I'm actually enjoying this quite a lot. And then me and him decided to do this together. So, you know, fast forward a little bit, we did the Louis Louis thing. In the meantime, while I was doing these pop ups, obviously I was looking for sites as well, I'm looking for something more permanent. And I came across Renegade Urban Wineries. I don't in Walthamstow. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the site that I really wanted to sort of set up in. But because we he he didn't know who we were. 
it, again, it was really difficult. So we kind of did the Louis Louis thing. But then he started following us on Instagram. And two weeks after the Louis Louis thing, he sent us a message going, oh, hi guys, I'm looking for a new residency. Because we had a meeting. Oh, that's how, that's... You have to give it a bit of time. You do, you do. Give someone kind of a bit of excitement and then they... And then they pinpoint you, absolutely. Yeah. And he, he, he actually said, we, we actually had a meeting with him. He wasn't too keen on the plan. And then he sent us a message like three weeks later on, on Instagram saying, oh yeah, I'm really interested in a residency. Sounds like you guys would be really good here. And I was like, we spoke to you like a month ago, mate. So can we, let's meet again. So we met up with, with Warwick again, the owner of Renegade. And then, yeah, we, we signed a contract and we did a residency there for three months. Oh, okay. So we were there for a long time. Uh, and yeah, that was really, really good. It was, you know, we had a, I think, I think the hardest thing again is working when you're doing these pop-ups. And I, I did a blog on it recently. Is is it, it's, quite, it's quite tricky because you need a site if you, if you want to execute good food you need a site where you can prep a lot of the sites ha, don't allow you to, yeah they don't have the prep kitchen yeah or they use it during the day so you have like cafes for example that have a site that work from 9 till 4 and then you've got your problem at 6 so you've got 2 hours of prep so you either do really shitty food which then there's no point in doing it or you hire more people so you can do more, more prep and less time which is what I did at Louis Louis and I had to hire chefs and all these sort of things so there's, there's a little balance but obviously with Renegade I had the kitchen the kitchen was completely empty so I had the full kitchen to prep and everything so it worked really really well you know we had all the prep we tried lots of new dishes we got a nice little following we you know we, we, we killed it there it was really really good but again you know Walthamstow is quite far out you know to, to, to be able to set up a food offering like that yeah it was good because we kind of attached to their existing client base they've got their you know their clients and they came in and we did and a lot they of things tell other people they tell other people you know they've got 20,000 followers or something so it was really really good publicity for us so it was you know, it was, it, it, you know and we, we did a really good job there. Was quite proud of what we did there and then that kind of finished they, they've taken the kitchen in-house now um, and then but you know after three months there to be honest it, you, know, you don't really it, it gets a bit repetitive and we didn't really you know we don't have control of the alcohol, so you don't really make any money doing pop-ups. Oh, okay. So you kind of have to get control of the alcohol. Yeah. And then ever since then, it's been looking for a permanent site. You know, we just I just decided, look, I need a permanent site. You know, once you realise when you look at your finances and you're looking at the money coming in, you're like, okay, it's all great cooking, great food, but you need to the business needs to be. You need to make money, and we made a profit, obviously, in, in Renegade, but not enough to to sustain a business for long term. And the reason being, alcohol, you just don't have control of the alcohol. Alcohol basically doubles your revenue. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're, you're Isn't it, when I worked at my previous restaurant, it was the wet versus dry? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, the, the revenue is exactly the same. When we looked at our figures for, for, um, for Renegade, you know, we were pulling in 10 to 14 grand a month in food, but they were pulling the same in, in alcohol. So, it, you know, we were missing out on all of that revenue. Yeah, you know. and then especially when you, you know, it starts becoming bigger and you're having to pay people to work. Absolutely, to yeah. Help you yeah. pay all those kind of things, then, then you, the profit just goes down. It, absolutely, it just goes, it, exactly, it gets, it gets completely dried up. So, so I think eventually the decision for me was, you know, we've done, a lot of it was more publicity. Like, because, you know, you initially said, you know, you're starting off from zero. So you have to make you have to make you have to make these things happen. You know, yeah. You've got no choice. You're not going to get no one. No one in the right mind is yeah. going to give you an exclusive venue with no knowledge of who the hell you are. You know. So, so yeah. this kind of all these all these kind of you know, all these things are happening. I was like, okay, Renegade. That's a nice little thing to, to sort of put down. We've done that. We've operated here. And then the CDC got in touch with me. And they said, look, do you want to do a pop-up here? So I was like, yeah, you know. Did they DM you? They did. Yeah, yeah. I actually I met I met Alex. Um, 
when we were setting up at Louis Lewin, I was looking for a fish supplier. And, you know, I kind of see they do aged fish and all that kind of stuff. I spent like three months in Tokyo as well learning sushi. So, like, I'm really into aged fish and fish, like yeah. good quality fish. So, I got in touch with them and I, I didn't even know about the restaurant, actually. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, I met Alex, the owner, and I was telling him what I'm doing. And he just sent me a message. Oh, yeah, because I know the sea, the sea. Because when, when I was remembering it, when you were telling me, I was yeah. talking to some people and they were saying, oh, it's the fish supplier. And I was like, it's a place. It's yeah, a- it's, it's, they, 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 they're a fish wholesaler and they have the restaurant as well. They yeah. have like a chef's table. And I think they have a place in Chelsea as well. And it, are the only things they do their pop-ups or do they do their... No, 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 they, it's, a, it's, a full, it's a full running restaurant. Oh, yeah, 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 it's a full-on restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. they do a lot of guest chef series. Like I think they had, um, they had like, uh, what's his name? Keith Gums. Uh, okay. Yeah, from the, the 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 Great British menu, he was there oh, yeah. doing a pop up, and they had, they do a lot of shows. So this was like an emerging chef series that he invited me to do. So I was just like, you know what, fuck it, this is this a good opportunity. Yeah. Why not do yeah. it? Um, it's a great venue, you know. Um, yeah. So did it, but I think after that, there's just no more pop ups. I think pop ups is I'm popped out <laughs> with the pop ups. I'm done with it. So yeah. it's just now permanent site. Looking it's for just a, a lot site. to think about. And there's more people that need to be involved in the communication and then saying yes and no to everything. Yeah, it is, it is. It, look, it's fun, it's great, it's good for, for publicity, it's good to try stuff out, it's good to try new menus out or new dishes and, you know, and I think I enjoyed the challenge. Look, I, I know it sounds a bit cliche, I love challenges. I love it when, you know, when I do a menu... I'll try and adapt the menu to the location. So I won't, you know, if I do, for example, I've never done it, but if I went to like a pizza place, for example, and then I got a pizza site, I'll try and do a menu that would suit that. I'm not going to try yeah. and do a seven, eight course tasting menu in a pizza, yeah. pizza joint. I'll maybe look at pizzas and go, look, well, how can we do like, I don't know, really, really cool pizzas in this pizza joint that'll get people in. So, the so you're not sure. So you're not sure yet exactly what. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to do. But it depends on the site. So what do you want to do? I mean, similar to what I did to the CBC. So okay, similar, yeah. to Rogues, similar to Rogues, very similar to Rogues. Yeah. Similar to Rogues. Very similar style of food, you know, simple, clean food, not much fucking around, you know, open you know, brick walls, hip-hop music, that kind of thing. That's okay. what we want to do. So 30, 40-seater restaurant, quite intimate. Just like being in your, in your mate's living room but having really, really good food and listening to good music and a good vibe. It doesn't have to be massive like this. A small site's better, and then eventually start opening different sites offshoots. You know, I'm, I'm quite versatile, so if it does come to opening a pizzeria, it will be something under the Embers brand of pizzas. So I don't know, the weird pizza flavors, oxtail pizzas, or squirrel meat pizzas. I don't fucking know. Yes, <laughs> something that like that. But initially, is the is the initial site, and I think the hardest thing with finding a site it's not just the, the money is one thing that's just a small part it's also the fact that you need a track record of business operation before they actually give you the keys to the site so this so doing the pop-ups is is it's imperative I've got to do them wow I didn't even know you had to do that yeah so a lot of landlords won't even give you the oh, yeah, keys to the site oh yeah because landlords are going to give you no they're not going to be like who the fuck are you who the fuck are you what yeah. have you done like, exactly you know how do I know that you're going to be able to pay your rent Exactly. So, so you have to already prove that you've either got an existing site, which most of the time you haven't when you're trying to open up for the first time, or you've, you know, you can use this, you know, these little activities that I've done as leverage. Say, look, I've done one here, I've done one here. This is a good site. I did one here. So that's the route I'm at, and that's the kind of okay. that's the site of the journey. So I'm you're at. kind of building a portfolio right of now of sites that I've done. Them. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, that's it. So, it's uh, it's a trick. It's tricky. It's challenging. It's tricky. But you know, I think a lot of it is you just kind of 
if you, if you don't do these things, I think these opportunities don't come along. So everything that I've done up until this point has only happened because I've put myself in that position to do them. And you know, the CDC I think is the pinnacle of the pop-up sites because it's so exclusive, it's so nice and it's so well known. The fact that I've done something there and I've pulled it off, even though to be honest, that morning was a fucking shit show. <laughs> Why? What happened? <laughs> so, 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 so I had a production kitchen outside of the CDC because the, the, the event okay. was at 2.30 on Sunday. So I did two days of prep before in a production kitchen. I read the production kitchen. And it's only about 5K from, from the CDC. Um, so the, I, I, the plan was, I'm going to get to the CDC 8 a.m., get everything set up, because I've never worked in that kitchen. You know, I had my chef that I've worked with before. He was ready. Yeah. had my KP ready. had the, you know, from the house I hired ready. Everything was in place. Chef was going to get there at 9 o'clock in the morning. I was going to get there at 8, set up. We're going to be fucking set, no problem. Leave all my stuff overnight in the uh, production kitchen. And I woke up in the morning, so I'm living back to sleep. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's like a set of uh, commercial properties, and I, I couldn't find the key for the padlock. I'm like, fuck, fucking, how can I, how can I not find the key? What did I do with this? I, I just assumed I must have left the key in the padlock the night before because I was so tired. I was getting up like, for, for the commercial kitchen, yeah. So I'm like, okay, fuck it. I looked everywhere at home, looked at my pockets, all my fucking coats, everything, no key. I'm like, okay, must have been there. That's the only logical explanation. It was tired, I was tired, it was dark. I left in the padlock. It's, I'm going to be there at seven in the morning anyway, so no one's going to be there before. Get there, the key's not fucking there. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh my fucking God, this is a nightmare. Like, what the fuck do I do? So I'm, I'm normally quite calm. This is the first time I'm panicking. I'm like, running around like thinking shit then I lose my house keys I'm like where are my house keys I look at I'm like driving around in the car panicking I'm like okay I need to calm the fuck down panic's not your friend you need to calm down so anyway I'm like I call the, the commercial this is like 8.30 by now I'm already an hour behind I'm like okay I call the owner of the commercial kitchen I'm like look mate I need I need like I need a spare keys like I don't have a spare key yeah like, fuck's sake mate there's like 30 people in this in this site has anyone got a key yeah okay I'll get in touch and at this point I'm like you ain't gonna get it you know no one's gonna half an hour later no one so I'm like look I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to break in he's like you can't break in I'm like I have to so I call a locksmith <laughs> and I, I told him no I'm not gonna break in it's fine like just just please get in touch with people so I'm calling all these locksmiths this is Sunday morning at 9am as well <laughs> so so I call this locksmith this dude shows like he's like yeah I can be there in an hour I'm like mate I need you like here like like yesterday yeah he's like no as soon as an hour I was like okay it is what it is so this is now 10 o'clock now right oh my God. <laughs> the, the event's at 2.30 right <laughs> so 10 o'clock this dude shows up eventually 10.30 sorry this guy shows up I'm like right mate you need to like, pick the lock don't break it because I don't have the key so he's trying to pick this lock he's complaining his fingers are cold he's trying to pick this padlock bear in mind I try to pick it myself <laughs> so, look at YouTube videos how to pick a padlock so so yeah he um couldn't pick the lock so I'm just like mate I just call the owner I'm like mate I'm gonna have to break the lock I've no choice <laughs> so he's like what do I do I'm like just fucking cut the lock just cut the lock just cut it I don't care so he had to get his angle grinder out and grind the lock down cut the lock off so me and this other chef he's already been here two hours trying to like yeah, I'm like right just fucking take the car get all our shit all in bags speed down to the sea to see get all that shit out of bags put it all in the kitchen and this is a kitchen I've never been in it was like 11.30 by this time did you not see I've never worked in that kitchen so I don't so, so by then it was like 11.30 in the morning we're like three hours before everyone gets there you know I'm already three hours behind schedule you know we're just getting everything together luckily enough the guy Billy he's great he's actually a photographer as well his brother did a, an event there uh, called um, what's it called uh, 
I can't remember what it is. I'll have to, yeah. Anyway, he did an event there with his brother, who's a chef. They used to have a place called Native, a restaurant called Native. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the owner of Native. So he's the brother, he was the sous chef at Native, and he did a couple of events at the CDC. So he knew the layout of the kitchen a bit better than I did. I'm just like running around, like, where's the fucking this? Where's that? How do I turn this on? So three hours, I'm like, okay, this is the menu. Like, we just need to get this shit done. Yeah. You know, we've got things like tweels to make, we've got things to bake, things to cook. Got three hours, and literally, it got to like, 2.35 and we were just still setting up guests were starting to arrive you know luckily enough you know we, we had the music pumping the hip hop pumping I mean the whole hip hop thing actually was all by accident because we didn't have time to change the music uh, yeah. <laughs> that's funny that's great <laughs> so we just left it I was like you know what it is what it is we're here now. It is. It is. fuck it so yeah music was pumping out people were having like starting to drink wine and the waiter came in I'm just like just fucking need to get this shit done eventually at about, I think, three o'clock we were set, but I don't think anyone knew That's what was good, going on. Yeah. also, people, when they come to an event, they just think, oh, it's chill. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't chill. Let's have some wine. <laughs> but then you're in the back, just panicking. panicking. <laughs> fuck, yeah. fuck, fuck, me to get this done. Because I wasn't, I, I, was, I nearly cancelled it. It got to like 10.30. I was like, fuck, I, I might have to call them up and just yeah, say, and call this whole thing off because I can't get it. would have been so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would have been quite sad. So yeah, that's uh, that. That was my morning of that day. But we pulled it off. I don't even, you know, uh, you know. Thanks to Billy, the chef, and yeah, we just, we just, um, yeah, we got it all done. So that ended up being really, really good. And again, it's just one of those things that you know, if you don't go through that, you know, I've been through a lot of shit in kitchens, pretty much every situation. But that's the first time something like that's happened. So yeah, you know. So yeah, that was that was that. This year, and it went well. So we're still here to tell the tale. You know? <laughs> God. Yeah. <laughs> so, when do you think? Well, you're still looking for looking for sites. For yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've got Monday. I've got three viewings. Uh, no, Monday I've got a dinner with um, at Hyde lunch at Hyde. Actually, we've got the um, staff canteen thing they invited me to. So we've got like the staff canteen thing invited me to lunch there. So I'm like, yeah, free lunch at the Hyde. See who's there. I'll, I'll take it. And then Tuesday we've got, um, yeah, we've got three viewings on Tuesday and just, it's just viewings and viewings and viewings and just keep looking until we find something. So the sooner the better. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with timing as well. Depends on where we open. You know, you don't want to open mid-summer when the weather's good. And, you know, now, maybe right now might be a bit too early because we're just coming off the end of New Year's and, and you know, people don't have that much money. So April, ideally February, but I don't think it'll happen. Maybe April time. Sort of Easter, we sort of get into that period into the summer, which gives a couple of months, and then you know, hopefully before the end of the year. But I think hopefully something sooner. Will show okay. Up, so, but yeah, just until something comes up. If some someone has a site now, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we did actually have. Um, you know, when I met you that night in uh, at the Rogues thing, the you know uh, White Russian. So the site he's at, I, I was actually going to take before him. Oh. And it fell through for me. <laughs> so I already had Bastard. it all. I know, yeah. So we already had it all. I told him. I met him there. And I told him because I, I was already looking at that site. The owners of the site, the crudo, uh, the crudo owners. We already had every. I already had everything agreed. I was really looking at like you know because I was like, this is the perfect site. I had a couple yeah. of reservations. So I was like, mm, I don't know about the wall and there's like a construction wall, but you know, it's got the Michelin star restaurant behind it as well, called Restaurant Behind. Yeah. Um, and it just it was perfect. I was like, the kitchen's perfect. It's all set up. It's just a few chairs. I just literally need to like buy a few glasses, a few things, yeah, and, and fucking set up, and, and and we can get cooking in literally in a, in a few in a week. But I think the conditions for me were quite tight because we'd spoken to them just before. December, before the beginning of December, it was like end of November, and 
I was like, look, it, if it doesn't get done by the 1st of December, I'm not taking it because you're missing out the entire December trade. December's only a three-week month. So if I don't get it by the 1st of December, then I'm not going to take it the last week in December because then I only have one week of trade and then it's a bit of pain rent for a week. Yeah, so... So yeah, that was that was I was very close to getting that one. So, but you know, happens. I think. See what the future holds. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, let's. Crossed. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, it's a, it's a good site. It's a good location. I've not eaten a white Russian yet. I think I will. But but that'll be the that that was a, that was one that got that's the one that got away. Probably because I was trying to be a bit tight as well with money. I was like, uh, give me a week, week's free rent and this. <laughs> so maybe maybe I deserve not to get it. <laughs> No, but this, that's exciting. Now you're starting the new year, I feel like, especially in January, things are a bit calmer, more relaxed. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. Different people will be, they're not busy with their jobs as much. Yeah. It's, year, it's yeah. a bit more downtime in the hospitality yeah. industry. Uh, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think, I, I, I mean, obviously you don't want, it, when a site comes up that's not doing well, obviously you don't want that for people, especially in the industry. But, you know, if that does happen, that's kind of what I'm looking for as well I mean what we don't want to do is is build a whole new thing and pump tons of money into yeah. it and ideally I'd take over a struggling side and say look you guys you know, let me just take your rent off you which is kind of what Fudo was it was like you know they were not operating there I was like well I'll just take your rent there's no premium there's no renovation needs doing you just literally take site so he's done really well to take that because that's a really good site so but yeah if something else like that comes up then we'll, we'll consider it but the money's there to pay so and we're ready to cook yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast I always ask what would you recommend to someone that's maybe just starting out just starting out in the industry how would they get to know people kind of forge their own path in the industry um, in hospitality let's just in say hospitality in general someone that would go down the same route as you I think pick a good place to work Pick a good restaurant to and work. And to you, what would a good restaurant be? I mean, I still, even though I still say I'm challenging fine dining, I think a good fine dining restaurant is still somewhere you need to go because I think that's still the top level of cooking. And I think without that knowledge, without that, you don't really know what else is out there. If you start in a rustic place and that's all you know, you don't know what else is out there. I'll definitely go for a Michelin star restaurant, one that's got all the accolades. Um, I mean, I don't know what they're like now. I mean, Royal Hospital Road, I thought, was a brilliant place. It's a brutal environment. But I think if you really, really love what you do, you've just got to stick at it. Um, that, that's, that's what I would say. Pick a good place, stick to it, learn as much as you possibly can in that place. And if you want to start your own business, then, you know, take that with you and, 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 and go. But, yeah, definitely pick some good places to work. I mean, I think right now there's, there's quite a few, you know, I think there's less Michelin star restaurants now than there were then. Um, ten years ago, every other place was had a Michelin star. You know, I think now it's kind of a lot of places have closed down and the good ones have stayed. So yeah, look at the places that, that, that have got the good accolades. Maybe travel as well. Um, so don't just stick to London. There's lots of good places everywhere. Not necessarily France. You've got Spain. You've got. Italy, you got and that South means you America. Can, you, you can know. learn different cuisines. Exactly, you can learn. I, I think that's another thing. You know, like gives you a bit of versatility about just just sticking to one thing. I think kind of pigeonholes you into one style of cooking. You know, you can go. I had a chef that worked with me at uh, a Renegade, and he he's now gone to Peru to go and learn you know, whatever he's going to learn there. I've travelled a lot. I've been to Tokyo for three months. I've spent time in Peru. I've been to all these places, and the way I cook is kind of gives me a lot of freedom because I don't. There's no there's no one way of doing something you know what I mean if I want to make a ceviche based dish 
with French techniques. There's nothing wrong with that. Or using Japanese method to cure fish and then putting it into a Spanish-style tapas dish or something. Why not? You know, it doesn't have to be just French cooking or just Italian cooking or you know, just just cook some good food. That's it. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, Thank welcome. you so much for going today and telling me about your your endeavours. It's really interesting speaking to someone who's just at the cusp of starting mm. their own business. Mm. It's great. No, Thank you. no, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Ernesto, for being so open about the process of opening your own restaurant. Hopefully, I will have an update for everyone in 2024 about what he chooses to do. Thanks for tuning in for today's scoop and follow the podcast on Spotify and Instagram for regular updates.